Hello, everyone. I'm Abhijat Saraswath, and you're listening to the Fringe Legal Podcast. This is a show where I discuss the future of the legal profession with practitioners, thinkers, and innovators. The future is, of course, a topic that's becoming more important than ever, especially in these turbulent times. And I do hope you're all keeping well and safe. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Fringe Legal Podcast. Today, I speak with Alma Assay. Alma is an evangelist at the Terra Microsystems. In her role as evangelist at the Terra, Alma is a legal technology expert and trusted advisor to the Terra clients. She helps them to bring innovative ways of thinking and practice to life. Before that, Alma was Chief Innovation Officer Legal Solutions at Integron Discovery Solutions. She joined Integron as part of the acquisition of her litigation management software business, Allegory, where she was the founder and CEO. So this is a a slightly different episode. Alma had been doing some research into the prevalence of knowledge management and innovation roles across the Amlaw 200 firms. And in this episode, we go through her findings, which were frankly shocking to the both of us. We look at firms that are doing well functionally and practically in serving the KM and innovation functions. We examine what's missing, the myth of KM and innovation being widespread and dispersed across the profession and actually the cost of not having these roles filled at your firm. And lastly, we examine how Alma plans to use this information. This episode is presented a little differently to what you may be used to. Alma and I were having such a great conversation that I simply just hit record. So we'll start mid-flow and the conversation should feel raw, but full of useful insights. Just one more thing. If you haven't already, head over to fringelegal.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. I share three to five interesting finds each week, as well as bonus content such as episode transcripts and more. Over 500 people receive it every week, so please come and join us. Now, on to the episode. So out of the AMLA 200, which is really where I'm focused, and granted that this is so far just based on analyzing LinkedIn data, but I think that's pretty representative when you look at things from a high level. Out of the AMLAW 200, only 12 firms have chief innovation officers, and 11 of those are in the first 100 block, and only 19 have chief knowledge management officers, and 17 of those are in the top 100 block. In terms of anybody with an innovation title, in the MLAW 200, there are only 175 people on LinkedIn with innovation in their title. Um, and 148 of those are in the top 100. And for knowledge management, it's better. It's 660. But again, those are so weighted in the top. 614 of those are in the top 100. And that's, again, anybody on LinkedIn with knowledge management in their title. In terms of the brave breaking things out and looking at like the first 100 versus the second 100. So the firm that stands out the most is Baker McKinsey. They have 75 people with knowledge management in their title and seven with innovation. And then it drops to around 50 for Norton Rose and Hogan Levels and around just under 40 for Skadden, DLA and Brighton Cave. What's interesting about Skadden is they have 38 people with knowledge management in their title but not a single person with innovation, which kind of sets them apart from the other firms in the top 100. 
that have lots of knowledge management people, they tend to have at least a handful of innovation as well. And Paul Hastings stands out as having the most innovation titles, 16. It doesn't, doesn't get any higher than that. Mm-hmm. But, but what's crazy is 23 firms in the MLA 100 have, according to LinkedIn, have nobody with either innovation or knowledge management in their title. And really? Wow. And then there are seven that have someone with innovation, but no knowledge management, 13 that have knowledge management, but no innovation, which means 43 firms out of the MLA 100 don't have both people with knowledge management and innovation in their titles. We have this misconception that like knowledge management and innovation are kind of taking off within law firms. And I think at a surface level, it, it feels that way. You go to conferences and you meet lots of people from knowledge management or innovation, or you see them speaking at conferences, and you think, wow, like, they're starting to make moves. When I started this, I thought I was going to find a lot more. I actually, like, wanted to get to know that community better because I I think the people that I've met that are doing knowledge management and innovation in law firms are just outstanding, and they're really doing the the on-the-ground work of bringing technology and innovation into the firms and conquering that last important piece of change management. And instead, what I found is quite depressing that, you know, it's not nearly as pervasive as I thought it was. That could mean a number of things, right? Because it could be that a lot of firms have someone doing parts of that role without that title, Mm -hmm. uh, which isn't necessarily a good thing. It just means that they aren't functionally putting enough importance on what you can achieve through actually focusing on innovation as a singular objective or knowledge management as a singular objective. Uh, Instead, there's someone out there who's doing X, Y, and Z. And, oh, by the way, can you also look after, you know, whatever a knowledge manager might do? Um, It's unlikely that they will have a good idea of what good would look like in that role. So it's kind of a half-hearted effort. Uh, And of course, I'm sure there's a percentage, although, uh, you know, admittedly, it's probably quite small, where maybe there is someone who is doing that role, but they haven't put it on LinkedIn or something else. But let's call that a even a 5% margin of error, which is pretty high, still leaves a significant number of firms in the AMLAW grade that should be doing something in, the, in this remit that aren't. And actually, these numbers are really surprising to me as well because of what you said. When you go to events, it is really common. You know, there are plenty of... Uh, KM-focused events. Uh, there are innovation workshops uh, at all of the large you know, global events, whether it's ILTA, British Legal Tech, or something else. There are special tracks for both of these roles individually, so you would expect that there would be a large audience for it. So I do wonder who goes to them outside of you know, these handful of individuals. Once I started realizing where the data was taking me, I even expanded the titles that I would look for. Right. So I only like took counts of the number of people with knowledge management or innovation in their titles. But in terms of finding someone that I thought might be handling these roles, Mm -hmm. I started looking for people with practice services, the word solutions in their title. If I got to a certain point, I would give up and just look for chief operating officer because a lot of these knowledge management roles do seem to roll up into Mm -hmm. that area. And so I would put that person down as like, 
you know, my, my last resort as maybe this person knows what's happening in this area. But it's amazing to me the number of firms where I couldn't find anybody with knowledge management, innovation, solutions, practice services, or operations in their title. It is baffling because you do also have a lot of other more specialist roles that often would, you know, roll into these. So you have roles of uh, business ops, uh, or legal technologists, legal ops, research, and, and others. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to sort of follow that trend to see where these dotted lines actually end up because it's really odd thing to not have these roles filled. I, I know you've probably spoken to a lot of these firms. Do you think the firms that stand out are also, they're doing well in terms of, you know, looking at whatever we might consider as innovation or innovative projects or branching out in terms of dispersing knowledge across their offices and so on? Or do you think there's actually, it's leading to a true gap in skills and services they can provide both internally and to their clients? I think it's absolutely leading to a clear gap. It didn't really surprise me, at least in the AMLA 100, the firms that a lot of us are more familiar with, not only by name, but also in terms of how they operate, were falling into one bucket or the other. I, I just thought that there was something I was missing with those other firms where I hadn't necessarily seen innovation or real knowledge management initiatives happening firsthand didn't mean that there weren't people working on them. But then when I dove into this work, it started to stand out that, no, they really don't have people in these roles. I mean, I think it does show on the surface because when you look at the firms that do have people in these roles, they are the ones that come up time and time again in conversations about who is out there being innovative and who is out there doing a bang up job of bringing in technology and actually getting it adopted what about the diversity of the roles as well? Because that, that seems quite varied as well. There's those that do KM and, and business intelligence. There's those that do innovation and process mapping. You know, there, there's those that are very specific to KM and litigation or debt finance. They're, you know, they're partners who do these roles and there's you know, those who are paralegals that sort of grew into these roles. Uh, what do you make of that? I mean, it really was across the board. I think that there's this sense that a lot of the knowledge management roles are coming up out of library services. And that certainly was true for a large part of them. But there were a lot more lawyers growing into these roles than I expected. And so to me, what stood out is that it's really becoming another track that lawyers can take instead of just becoming partner or counsel or going in-house. Lawyers are transitioning into knowledge management and often with a particular expertise. So you'll, at some of these firms, you'll see someone in charge of knowledge management for banking and finance transactions, someone in charge of knowledge management for litigation. And so the the people taking on these roles actually have familiarity with the work and the practice for which they're maintaining knowledge and bringing in new technologies, which I think is great. But I also, you know, I, I also think it's great when people come from other backgrounds. And so we see a lot of library services, a handful of IT, as well as a handful of people who come from the practice management or paralegal side of things. So the CAM part, 
I guess personally, I'm not as surprised. Uh, and maybe this is just a, a more UK centric view where at least, and this is absolutely biased because it isn't just maybe the individuals I know that moved into knowledge management for the most part have been uh, practitioners. But the innovation aspect of things was surprising to me. I, I saw plenty of individuals who are heads of innovation, who are, you know, director of technology and innovation and so on that used to be lawyers uh, maybe this yeah. lawyers um now i also saw a lot more diversity in how granular the roles became as you said with knowledge with specific practice areas but even with it within innovation how granular they started becoming especially in some of the larger firms right so you have in firms like green McCrorig, you have you know strategic legal insights. You have director of innovative strategies and legal process innovation. So they are really focused in trying to achieve uh, very specific results. Uh, of course, I'm hypothesizing that, but you know, the fact that you have someone so specialized will mean that they're trying to solve a, a very, uh, very granular problem, which is really interesting to see, especially compared to the objective position against similar size firms that have nothing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's such a wide gulf between the firms that have nobody doing this work and then the firms that have a whole bunch of people and they have gotten so specific. And it, it really makes me want to you know, dive in with those firms and find out, you know, how these people are all working together and, you know, what tools they're using and what advantages they've noticed they've achieved by having this information pulled together in a granular way that their teams can access. I think it is interesting insights. It is relatively indicative of the massive gaps. Um, what are you going to do? Are you reaching out to some of these firms? I think certainly the, one of the interesting directions would be to speak to the firms that have multitude of these roles, like the, the Baker McKenzie's of the world that have so many care professionals to say, okay, well, what are you doing with this? How are you utilizing this many individuals? As well as the firms on the other end that have none, but maybe quite sizable in, well, who does this work? Who does this kind of work? What's your focus on? I think there are two things. One is the micro level, and that's what you were just mentioning. Um, using this as an avenue for myself to identify the firms that might be getting this right, or at least might be ahead of the curve in their appreciation for knowledge management and innovation and get to know those firms and, and the, more importantly, the people doing this work better to understand how they're using these roles to be effective within the firm. Because I think the struggle for a lot of firms that aren't making strides in this area is understanding the value that those roles and placing importance on knowledge management and innovation can bring to the firm. So to me, the firms most likely to have that information are the ones who have put so much investment mm -hmm. in these areas. And then at a macro level, you know, I obviously not putting the raw data out there, but digesting it in a way that's helpful. I'd like to share this information with more people because it was so shocking to me. And, you know, I get to know a lot of people in the industry. I go to a ton of conferences. And so the fact that this was also shocking to me, I suspect it'll be shocking to some others and helpful to know that where things stand across law firms uh, for real when it gets to knowledge management and innovation, because a lot of them talk a big game and, you know, I'm not necessarily about naming names, but just providing some high level information on, you know, where, where firms 
stand on investing in knowledge management and innovation and that we might not be as far along as we should be. I think a lot of people talk about, you know, legal needs to change, law firms need to use more technology, but this is taking a step down and saying, well, are they set up for that? Yeah. You know, and, and rather than shooting for the moon, maybe we should be saying, you know, do you have people working on knowledge management? Do you have people working in innovation? And providing the information that firms need to understand what are these kinds of roles? What are these kinds of people doing? What value are they bringing to the firm? Because once you have people like that in place, it becomes a lot easier to sell technology and actually get it adopted within the firms. Um, as, as is evident by the fact that most of the firms that have lots of knowledge management and innovation professionals are firms that I and many others are familiar with as being very tech friendly. So both getting to know the, the firms better on a micro level and then sharing some of this information at a macro level so people have a better understanding of where the market stands. Because I asked around for this type of information before I dove in and started tackling it on my own and no one seemed to have a comprehensive list. So that's why I started it. <laughs> and, and it's not just going to be LinkedIn. I have some other resources as well. I just started with LinkedIn to get the basic framework you're right because the goal shouldn't be to to shame those that don't have these roles filled but i think rather to take the more pragmatic approach of highlighting those that have done this and the value that they've been able to carve out because of it because and as you were speaking one of the things that certainly came to me was because a lot of these firms are are rivals and certainly many of them will compete for the same business there's an obvious advantage of having when you are pitching for the same business, having a more cross-sectional group that is both diverse in scope and in function, being included in that pitch to say, look, these are the other secondary benefits beyond you know, just our amazing lawyers that you get of this. And because some of these individuals aren't lawyers, they bring a completely different perspective to it. Some of these individuals are focused on process improvement. So these individuals are focused on ensuring that we leverage the right technology in the right way. So as you, Mr. Client or Mrs. Client, for you, you get the most value from us, even if you know, all things being equal, the other firm may have the exact same caliber of legal services they can offer. How we package that service to you and in, in the fashion that we deliver it to you will be exceptional. Yeah, absolutely. And one firm that really stood out when I was looking at this is Brian Cave, because it is the only firm that I've found so far that has both a chief knowledge officer and a chief innovation officer. And so it's interesting that even when firms are appreciating the value of these roles and have lots of people filling them, some of them still kind of are rolling them into one. Um, so you'll see a lot of chief innovation and knowledge officers, which to me counts as you're covering both knowledge management and innovation, but it's really only one person and one person can only do so much. And so that next level of breaking things out and saying, okay, knowledge management is one thing and innovation is another. This goes into the discussion of who's filling these roles as well, because while it wasn't necessarily surprising, but I did expect to see more library services feeding into the knowledge management side. 
at the high levels. And instead it was a lot of attorneys, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's great that you see attorneys bringing their knowledge of the practice to bear on knowledge management. But it, it's interesting to see attorneys also filling the innovation roles yeah. because I, I actually think of innovation as somewhat different than knowledge management. I certainly think they should be working together. And I think there's a reason I focused on both of them for this project, but it's fascinating to me that you see so many attorneys transitioning into the top innovation roles of these firms, because you don't usually think of attorneys as the ones driving innovation. So that's another area that I'm curious about is looking deeper into the background of those attorneys that are moving into the innovation roles. Because one of the things I've seen be successful is bringing people you know, who focus on innovation into firms or into projects because they do think about things in a traditionally innovative way, which is not something that I feel like comes out of legal practice when you start from the ground up. What else did you find as, you know, as we start sort of wrapping up? Is there anything else that you wanted to highlight now? I think those are the big highlights. I also would add to that the stark difference between the AMLAW 100 and the AMLAW 200. In looking at how few people were filling these roles generally, it then really stood out how when I was looking for people filling these roles, the project completely changed from when I was working on the AMLA 100 to the AMLA 200. In the 100, I was very often stumbling across people, almost always finding someone who seemed to be in charge or at least meaningfully working on knowledge management or innovation. I could at least find one person. And then when I moved on to the second tranche of the AMLA 200, it was just so many firms where I was, you know, as I said before, plugging in practice services, solutions, just like begging to find somebody whose area of responsibility touched knowledge management and or innovation. And we talk a lot about what distinguishes the top firms. And it's interesting to me to see how stark the difference is between you know, the, the firms at the top of the MLA 200 versus the second tranche of 100 and how differently they're addressing these roles. In the second tranche of the MLA 200, the most people I was able to find with knowledge management in their title was three, and that was in two firms. <laughs> wow. And the most I was able to find with innovation in their title was four, and that was two different firms. So you have four out of 100 major, you know, big AMLA 200 firms that have, you know, at least three people in knowledge management or four people in innovation. I think it'll be interesting for someone to track this over time to see, well, okay, how many of those firms uh, in the next, let's say, three years are moving up and down the ranks? And perhaps it's a function of, you know, if they are a AMLA 100 firm, there are other factors involved that allow them to be able to recruit more individuals to this role. It still doesn't quite explain the the stark difference there, but uh, maybe that's one of those things. But certainly it'll be interesting to track this. So generally across the board anyway, across the, you know, the top, the top 200 firms 
to see what, what, what changes over time from within the bubble, frankly, you know, you do feel like there is a lot of movement and the, the pace is super fast and the, the KM scene and the innovation scene within, within the legal profession is thriving and it might be, but it's thriving in a very odd way where there's only, you know, so many firms that have, frankly, a seat at the table. I, I mean, personally, I'm really curious. And next time I go to an event virtually or otherwise, it'll be very, you know, I'll simply be keeping my eyes and ears open to see, you know, out of a room packed full of hundreds of people at a KN, KM event, how many of them are actually knowledge managers? How many have that title versus something else that are there? Uh, because it's a additional function for them in addition to whatever they do as a you know, that takes 80% of their time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll be thinking about these things differently as well. And I, I'm absolutely going to be watching this more closely over time and seeing if it, there seems to be any impact on the firms that have these roles or not. I mean, it is changing every day. The funny thing was I had just wrapped doing this initial research in LinkedIn for the 200th firm and a uh, friend of mine who I've known for years now in the litigation space uh, reached out to me and he had just been promoted and had a new title of Chief Innovation Counsel, Client and Knowledge Management Solutions at McDermott. And I, he, was, he was just reaching out to catch up. He had no idea what I was working on, right. but it was such a prime example. You know, I had to immediately go back to my spreadsheet and update it. Um, because no one with his title had been at the firm before. And so, you know, this stuff is changing every day and obviously it's hard to keep up with, but this is definitely a pet project for me that I'll keep at because I I find it fascinating. I encourage uh, anyone who's listening to this to reach out to you actually on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'll include your links in the bio. And um, yeah, I'm sure if we've missed anything, if there are firms that we, you know, that we've missed and you feel compelled that you have, you know, a really strong handle on this role or not, love to hear from you. And uh, it'll be great to hear the stories. And Alma, maybe you and I will catch up again in a year's time to look back at this research to see what's changed. Awesome, for sure. And I'm happy to nerd out on this data with anybody who wants to reach out. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Before you go, please share this with one other person and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. This podcast was produced by me, Abhijat Saraswath. Paula Chrysostomu is the manager for the show and Pretty Saraswath is the content strategist. You can listen to all previous episodes and reach out to us at fringelegal.com. Thank you.